Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get this crowd going now. Come on, get him up, get him up, get him up. He's going to throw down the middle. The ball is caught. Hey, that's great football now. 35-40, down the far sideline. We got a five, baby. He's still moving. He's going to go. Go Hawks. Are you kidding me? Let's go. 20, 10, touchdown, Seahawks. It's the Seahawks podcast. On today's episode, we dive further into the trade for Quentin Dunbar. Also, Russell Wilson wants the Seahawks to wear different uniforms. Sort of. And we play more Stop Me When You Know It, the game in which I read clues and then you and Lofa tell me the player. We hope that wherever you're listening from, you're healthy and safe, and we know that a lot of you are sheltering in place right now, and we feel like the one thing that we can do for you is try to bring some distraction and some fun by doing what we'd be doing anyway right now, which is talking football. So thank you very much for joining us during these challenging times. Also, if you can do us a favor, hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Also, if you have a chance to rate and review our show on that platform that you're listening to us on, we'd really appreciate it. The subscribe button helps us out a lot, and it's also very key for you to make sure that you never miss an episode of this podcast. You can also send us an email anytime at seahawkspod at gmail.com. I read every email that comes in, so if you've got questions or comments for either one of us, for me or for Lofa about anything relating to the show, or if you just want to say hi in an email, you can send those emails to seahawkspod at gmail.com. That's seahawkspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to our show. I'm Seahawks superfan Brett Davern, and he is Seahawks three-time Pro Bowler Lofa Tatupu. Lofa, episode three, buddy. Much like the preseason, week three, that's a big one, right? Yeah, this is where I make the team, right? If I make the team. <laughs> the starters play a lot in preseason game number three, don't they? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's where you find out, you know, you're going through your game planning. You're doing a little more than normal. Um, you've seen what you, you you need to see out of the younger guys, and now it's like, okay, this is our dress rehearsal for, for game one, for week one. You hear a lot of complaining about the preseason, uh, especially from veterans. What were your feelings on the preseason? Is it is it too long? Is it necessary? Did you hate it and just want the regular season to start? Uh, I think it's a necessary evil, so to speak. Uh, you have to, you know, get into game shape. And I do think that, you know, when, when they did away with the two-a-day practice or however they do it, you know, you can have a two-a-day than a one-a-day, but one of them has to be without pads. That's a little more realistic on what the body can handle. I don't care if you're young, coming out of college, or – you know, a seasoned salty vet, I guess you'd say, because, you know, the vets don't love camp. You just, uh, you do have to get those reps in, especially with the, the roster changes that happen each year, building that chemistry uh, as you go forward into into the regular season. Uh, what have you been up to since we talked last on the show? What are you, what are you doing around the house to stay busy? Well, you got to get the workout in. So I start my day with the workout. Uh, right now, I'm trying to get creative because I don't have any weights. I don't have any free weights, believe it or not. Uh, so I've been doing just body weight stuff. You know, now uh, the kids are at home, of course. So I'm um, trying to implement, you know, a uh, regime or, or a schedule that, you know, they agree with, which 
if it doesn't pertain to video games, it, it's kind of like pulling teeth. So how's it going with two kids at home being like the teacher or homeschooling them? I am the, the gym teacher and the math teacher for the foreseeable future. I'm going to, I'm going to teach them to do math through dominoes the way I learned. They're going to be able to do anything up until 12. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many parents do you think out there are having that sort of realization? I mean, look, we, we all respect teachers and love what they do and have a, a fondness for them anyway. But I think that's really getting driven home for a lot of parents. It's a it's a tough task that they uh, are asked to do, you know, to, to get the uh, the information across to, to all of them. Because first, you got to kind of take you back to my coaching days. You got to learn the learner. You got to understand how each kid learns and and for my my oldest he's really into like the arts and music he's not so uh he's not so much into sports or or even you know the other subjects uh but he'll go to music man he'll learn he'll remember he can recount the exact everything they did from start to finish in that class and so like i'm here trying to teach him music i know nothing about music but 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 I know film study. Right. I know how to work hard. Right. So so I got breaking down you know performances uh, through YouTube. I you know it. so yeah you got to try to just what you can take what you can and just pass it on right. And so yeah I got him you know studying all those all those artists you know his favorite artists and, and he's actually the kid can name more Beatles songs than I can at nine years old, uh, which is you know pretty it's sad on my part. But uh, you know, I'm proud of them. One day at a time. That's that's all we're that's all we're given. That's all we're blessed with. So there's no use of worrying about. You know, it's tough. Of course, you know, I've had I've had businesses that have been affected by by what's going on and, and everything. And but I look at it from you know the bright side. I'm spending more time with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know my heart goes out to those that are like directly affected by you know a family member. So like when you keep that in perspective, you got to realize you're blessed. For people that are at home looking to stay active and, and like you said, you're using your own body weight, what's maybe the one or two different things that they can literally, like is it push-ups, is it pull-ups? What is the best uh, maybe couple of workouts that they should be doing? I love the push-ups, squats. Um, I know burpees that people, I know everyone hates them, but it's, you know, it, it is one of the best exercises. And then uh, also pull-ups, which if you can angle yourself you know, underneath a table, you can still get, um, inverted pull-ups going. Um, cause you got to, you can't cheat, cheat yourself. You got to get the back in there. A couple of my buddies, they own, you know, websites and if you can follow them on Instagram, um, uh, Del Fitco, uh, my boy, Ant Del Vecchio, he owns a gym out in uh, New York and he's building a little community of people like helping each other. My boy, Dane Fletcher, former New England Patriot, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, he has his own gym called the Pit Training Facility out in Bozeman, Montana. You can follow him on there. You know, ever there's a, a bunch of my friends they own gyms, and so they're forced to kind of come up with ways to you know uh, incorporate. Or people don't have gym equipment at the house, so they have to find ways to get creative and keep them interested, right? So whether it's circuits, I think that's the just picking three or four exercises and going through them as as many times as you can is probably the best way to get that cardio going too, because I need to go buy a treadmill now that I don't have anywhere to play basketball. I'm just constantly trying to find ways to to, to stay active. Because remember, just three years ago, you know, before I, I found, you know, Zone and CBD and everything, I was 280 pounds. And so I don't want to go back to that, you know, that that, that weight. Um, it's just, it's not, uh, it didn't feel good. 
and it wasn't most necessarily how I looked. I didn't care about that. <laughs> uh, but just how I felt and the amount of energy I, I you know, I have now, I want to maintain that. And so got to stay active in, in this time. I find myself not eating as much as I thought I would when we started to go into this because I'm conscious of rationing it out. Even though we have plenty of food, I find myself not going to the kitchen because I'm like, no, no, we might need that stuff. So I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm doing okay, actually. That's great. What about working out? You getting your, you getting your workout in? Not as much as I should be. I'm going to have to do some push-ups i mean yeah but we see the instagram post and you you, you look like you're 25 years old still so you know we'll, we'll just chalk that up to great genetics my man <laughs> oh the check is in the mail thank you for saying that <laughs> appreciate you hey have you had a chance yet to try and uh do some reflecting on this time and and come up with any sorts of silver linings at all to this whole sheltering in place thing uh, yeah, just being conscious of, you know, being grateful. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are going on that it's affecting everybody. There's there's, there's no way you can't say this hasn't affected everybody. But um, the, the right perspective, the grateful perspective, with that in mind, I'm blessed. And even, you know, Zone and CBD, we've donated 51,000 meals um, just, just a week ago, um, because we had the right perspective and it's about helping as many people as you can. And, uh, I know there's a lot of people that have been affected and, and lost a loved one. And when you keep that in mind, because I'm fortunate not to have lost a loved one yet, I have had some friends lose their loved ones, which is, is devastating. Um, it's, you gotta be, you're blessed and you're lucky to get up every morning. And, uh, we talked about that earlier, Brett, and, uh, you know, um, just want to, you know, thank our creator, God, whoever you pray to just for these opportunities. Yeah, man. Well said. Um, Hey, you want to talk some football? I love talking football. You know, I want to talk some football, Brett. All right. Well, speaking of football and talking football with you, I've been looking through the internet, scouring the internet, uh, and watching a lot of Lofa Tatupu highlights so that I can add some of this audio into our official new opening for the show when we get that all built. Um, let me play you this clip I found, and, and then let's chat about it. Okay. Two tight end set. Donna Lee shifting. Far swings it out on first down. And the catch is made by Ryan Grant. He lost the football. And it's recovered by the Seahawks. Lofa Tatupu comes up with the recovery after the hit by Leroy Hill. This is a terrible start for the Packers. Not just that play, but the opening kick. They let the ball hit the ground. They get bad field position. Ryan Grant bobbles the ball, secures the catch. He's on the ground. He's still alive. He gets up. The ball is out. And there's Lofa Tatupu. He always seems to be around when the ball is loose. What do you remember uh, from that play? Specific play, it was just as it said. It was a swing pass. Favre threw it to Grant. Um, I believe it was... Brian Russell and Leroy Hill got, you know, got to him. Leroy jarred the ball loose, and then Daryl Tapp tried to grab the ball, and I wrestled it away from Tapp. I was like, oh, let me get that ball. I broke up the sideline, and I made one move on Bubba Franks, and then the center, I believe Scott Wells or the fullback, probably both of them, they tackled me, like, on the one. So, of course, Sean goes in the next play and gets all the glory, but the defense set that up. Your memory for plays and people on the field while all the insanity is going on of an NFL football play is 
Very impressive, sir. I, I'm just a big fan of football like you, Brett. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's an honor when you get there to, to go play against guys like Favre and Bubba Franks. I watched him at Miami and, you know, just all these, these legends, man. Um, and uh, so I'm, I, I'm zoned in on the moment, baby. I'll say that much every time I'm out on that field. Well, it's been fun looking up those old clips, and it's going to be fun to include them in the, in the new open of the show. Right on. Okay, let's get into this Quentin Dunbar trade a little bit more. But before we do, let me tell you about True Classic Tees. Because right now, our listeners get 20% off at TrueClassicTees.com when they use the promo code BLEAV at checkout. That's 20% off when you use the promo code BLEAV at TrueClassicTees.com. These t shirts are super comfortable, they hold up in the wash. I know you love t shirts, Lofa. Love them. You can wear them to work out or if you're just laying around the house. And the best part is they're incredibly cheap. They're only $15. And right now, our listeners can get them for even less. So what are you waiting for? Get 20% off of your purchase right now when you use our promo code BLEAV at trueclassictees.com. Let's talk about this Quentin Dunbar trade a little bit more, Lofa. Um, You know... A couple episodes ago, we were talking about him and saying that he might be in the top 10 of corners in the league or maybe even in the top five. But I've got a little bit more information for you because last season, uh, Dunbar received the second highest grade among all corners as evaluated by Pro Football Focus. He started 11 games for Washington and recorded four interceptions, eight passes defended, which were both team highs, and received a grade of 87.7 from Pro Football Focus. So like I said, that's second among all cornerbacks. You want to know who was first? I mean, I have a guess, but I'm going to let you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Sherman. Uh, So Uh, it sounds like Quentin Dunbar, according to the numbers, might even be better than we were even giving him credit for a couple episodes ago. Um, How pumped are you to see this guy in a Seahawks uniform? Absolutely. And much like Richard Sherman, um, Dunbar has only been playing corner for, what, four years, five years now? Mm -hmm. So... Um, you just, you know, obviously making that switch from receiver, um, you know, Quentin's got that, that Intel, if you will, about, you know, what the splits of the, where they line up on the field, what they're trying to accomplish. And even with their release, what they're trying to do. I watched a little, I can only see like his YouTube highlights. I haven't been able to do a full breakdown analysis, but, um, he looks like he plays man coverage. Well, challenges receivers, uh, big, tall, uh, willing hitter, you know, he'll get up in there and mix it up. And um, his zone coverage is what's most impressive. When he's off, he has some very good anticipation and instincts and breaking on the ball, on the thrown ball. I've seen him, you know, pick off these slants and um, a lot of big time hits. So excited what we're getting with him, you know, and, uh, you know, can't wait to see him to see him in the Hawks uniform. He's 6'2 with 32 inch arms. So he seems like he's the ideal Pete Carroll cornerback. Uh, what is it about Pete Carroll and these tall cornerbacks? Because it's clearly become a trademark of a Pete Carroll defense to have these big, tall, rangy guys. Was it always this way with Pete, even going back to USC? Um, you know, I think in college, you you can get away with having just great football players at, at certain positions. Um, but, but as you get to the NFL, Pete, definitely looking for more of a prototypical, you know, uh, a big, tall, rangy uh physical uh corner and um you know just through all the guys they had um you know uh maxi you know sherm 
Uh, BB, Brandon Bowner, um, just some big physically imposing. It's hard to get around those guys, right? And then when you do, you got a safety in the middle like Earl or Cam that, that can separate the guy from the ball. So um, he's definitely found his prototype and what he, what he wants to do. And he wants to, you know, really get physical and beat the receivers up at the line of scrimmage and, um, and really take their mind elsewhere you know, during the play, uh, a lot of them, you know, the, the elite can deal with that on an every down basis, you know, the Julio Jones and, and those guys that are also big and fast and strong as well. But to take that pounding in and out every, you know, every play, that's, you know, that's a challenge. And then, then you got to worry about trying to locate and, and find the ball. Yeah. Uh, is there something about the Seahawks defensive system specifically, though, that allows these big, tall guys to thrive the way that they do? Yeah, you know, the pass rush is always key. Um, that, that's going to help. But, I mean, think about if you do get by a guy that's, you know, 6'3", like Sherm and, and Quentin, um, and they have the speed to catch up to you or, or stay with you, um, those windows become very small in terms of, you know, the 32- and 33-inch, you know, wingspan. So um, what we saw with Sherm, and I think we're going to see a lot more with Quentin as he, his numbers keep going up in terms of interceptions. Um that the plays are going to be made because um, those those opportunities are few. You know, they're they're, they're just it's fractions of inches that are being traded. Um, and when you got a guy with instincts, they're going to make those plays. Uh, so there's very little uh, wiggle room for those quarterbacks to get you know get that ball in. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball because Jermaine Effetti is leaving town. He agreed to a one-year contract with the Chicago Bears, so no more uh, Jermaine Effetti on the offensive line for Seattle. The Seahawks drafted Jermaine in the first round in 2016, and he he started 60 of 64 possible games for the team over the course of his three seasons. Um, and, you know, despite all the penalties that he had, which drove me absolutely insane, he, he had some really good moments, especially in, in run blocking. How will you remember Jermaine's time with the team? Uh, Jermaine, you know, I feel for the kid in the sense, you know, okay, first round, there's a lot of expectations and everything, but I don't, he never, I don't think he ever really had a true home on the offensive line, you know, um, came in as a tackle, right. And then we moved him to guard um, injuries happened. So, you know, he kind of went all over the place. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the one thing I think that it's cause he's, you know, he's a big kid, very strong, very fast. And, and, you know, going like forward in terms of the run block, phenomenal. Um, now where it gets a little trouble is, you know, asking him to do some of the other things, like maybe even like pulling on a power or something that you're, you're taking away his strength. So, um, I think, you know, it'll fit, you know, in well with Chicago, but yeah, I would love to see my man just, you know, shore up some of those, um, the, those penalties, you know, the, the ones just like the offsides, you know, that just takes a little more focus, uh, and, you know, you never know where a guy's head is when, when, when they're jumping off sides that many times. I think there's just a little uncertainty about, you know, the, you know where they're going with their technique. If, uh, if he can just calm that, calm that down a little bit, I mean, he'll, he'll be fine because he is. He's he's big, tough kid, and, and, you know, he's trying out there. It's, it's tough when you get moved around like, like he has. I want to know what the listeners think. I want to hear from the 12s. You guys can email us at SeahawksPod at gmail.com. Because Jermaine Effetti was a first-round draft pick in 2016, I have to ask the question, uh, is Jermaine Effetti a bust? Is that how you're going to remember his time with the Seahawks? You guys can email us, SeahawksPod at gmail.com. 
The good news for the Seahawks is that for roughly the combined yearly salaries that Effetti and Fant are going to be getting from the Brown or sorry from the Bears and the Jets, the Seahawks get Brandon Shell, BJ Finney, Cedric O, as we're calling him, and Chance Warmack. They get all four of those players for the price of two. So do we like the way the front office played this one? Absolutely. So, I mean, we definitely, you know, we got some depth coming in, too, uh, behind the guys that we did retain. Um, and um, I think Chance, he, you know, he was a high pick um, back several years ago, right? And he just, he took last year off to get healthy. So um, you're always excited, you know, adding a guy like that um, to, to the roster. How do you guys feel about the changes made to the offensive line? And how good can this new offensive line be? you can send us an email, seahawkspod at gmail.com. Hey, Lofa, you remember a couple episodes ago we played the uh, Stop It, Stop Me When You Know It game or whatever with the listeners, but I uh, didn't announce the winners yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to announce the winners, but I'm not going to do that before I tell you about Bet Online. Receive a welcome bonus for your first deposit when you go to betonline.ag. Use the code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100 when you go to betonline.ag. There's no NBA, no NHL, no MLB. You might think there's nothing to bet on. But Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with Blackjack or a $750,000 poker series. And in terms of sports, there's still mixed martial arts that you can also bet on American Idol or the upcoming elections or the spelling bee. So go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100, get that welcome bonus today. Bet online, the fun never ends. Lofa Tatupu, if you were in the spelling bee, how far are you going to make it? Uh, I'm winning it. Come on, anything I answer, I answer to win. <laughs> All right, so the winners of the Stop Me When You Know It game from a few episodes are, we took three of them. There's John in Bellingham, Colin in Seattle, and John in Shoreline. Two Johns and a Colin. Congrats, fellas. Yeah. So look out for uh, something coming in the mail shortly or whenever all of this is over. And thank you guys for playing the game. Uh, if you guys want to join in any game, well, you know what to do. Just email us, seahawkspod at gmail.com when we play the games. Um, Lofa, Russell Wilson put a tweet out there that showed him in a Seahawks throwback uniform, the silver helmet, the silver pants, and the, what he said in the tweet that went along with this Photoshopped picture of him is he said, this is a must, and then used three fire emojis. What do you think? I mean, absolutely. Everyone loves those unis. Uh, and I, So what is the rule? Like, why can't we do these? Because so, when I was with the Hawks, they were talking about doing those. Yeah, apparently there's some rule in the NFL where the team is only allowed to use one helmet per season. And apparently changing the helmets from blue to silver and then back to blue again, there's too much downtime. So... They can't. It, it's not as easy as just painting the helmets. They want to just use a second helmet or whatever for each player, but there's a rule against that. So that's why we've never seen the Seahawks in the silver because you never got to wear the silver uh, helmets and pants, did you? No, they did. Um, we they changed over to the new ones when I got. I think oh four or oh three. They changed over to the new uniforms. Maybe even earlier than that but well, and then they have the uh, new new ones too now. the new new yeah they got the new new right. and I, I i gotta say that was due in large part because of 
you know, Dion, the Dion's, Dion Grant, Dion Branch, and then uh, even my boy Jimmy Williams and Julian Peterson. We were literally coloring in the swoosh with neon paint and neon markers, paint pens back then, just to get the lime green in there. Because, you know, like the helmet had the lime green, you know, in it, but everywhere else it was like, yo, how do we get these, you know, the, the uniforms to pop a little more? And then they went over to the whole, you know, Nike came in and did, did that whole new uniform. So I got to give credit to, you know, Julian, the Dion's and, uh, and Jimmy Williams because they started that stuff. Yeah, you would have looked fresh in that royal blue. Oh, I, yeah, wish I had the chance to get one of those. Well, we, you know, we can always go online and make you a custom one. Make our own. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might know someone over at the team, actually. You could probably get one of those throwbacks with your name across the back of it if you wanted. I, I'm going to try it. As soon as, as soon as they're allowed back in the facility, I'm going to go over there and request one. Do you like when the Seahawks wear those alternate uniforms, the all neon uh, fluorescent? They look like a bunch of highlighters running around on the, the field. The color rush, I kind of like the color rush jerseys like uh, and, and pants. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's different. They only break them out once a year. Uh, yeah, it, it's a cool, I like our uniforms. Not only do I love the color rush uniforms uh, because they're insane and, and crazy and loud and, I, and brash and all of those things, but I love how much opposing fans hate them. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They just hate us because they hate us. How much? How much do the players get into the uniforms? Like you were saying, you guys were coloring in the swooshes and stuff. But does it does does wearing a good uniform or a fun one or an alternate one like that does it really provide some extra hype for the game for you guys? I mean, there's an old saying: you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. So it just kind of translates, right? I mean, you look look at look at Oregon and like what they've done with the uniform going back to even when I was in college. All those different combinations. Oregon directly got recruits to choose Oregon over SC and other places because of the combinations. Uh, I mean, obviously Nike, you know, uh, is an underlying factor there too, but the, the, the the number of combinations that they get to wear and all the gear, um, you know, that's, they, they get recruits that way. So it, it definitely plays a factor you know, at that level, I'll say that much. They do a good job with it, and that's the only good thing I'll ever say about Oregon. Same here. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page on that. Uh, you guys can chime in on the Seahawks uniform debate at SeahawksPod at gmail.com. Hey, we got a couple of minutes left. Do you want to play the game that's sweeping the nation? It's called Stop Me When You Know It. Sweeping the nation. I love it. Yes. Of course I want to play Stop You If You Know It. <laughs> I know how much you love this game. We'll play it again on this episode. So Stop Me When You Know It is the game where I have looked up some of Lofa's former teammates, and I've jotted down you know, their, their, some clues to, as to who they are, some of their accolades and some of their trophies they've won or, or teams they've played for or whatever. But I'm, I, and I'm going to read Lofa the clues, but I'm obviously going to leave the name of the player out of it, and we'll see how many clues I get through before Lofa stops me to tell me who the player is. Uh, you ready to do it this week? Let's do this. All right. So this player was on one of your rosters when you played for the Seahawks. This one might be a little bit harder, though, because I think you guys were only on the team together for one year. Okay. This player was born in Miami, Florida in 1979. During his playing days, he was six feet tall, 213 pounds, played his college football at the University of Florida, where he won an SEC championship Stop in it. 2000. Got it, got it. Okay. Um, was it D-Jack? No. 
wrong guess. First wrong guess in episode number three. Took you three episodes to get one wrong. Here, I'll keep reading clues. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Cincinnati Bengals, claimed off of waivers by the Seahawks in 2004. In 2005 with the Seahawks, uh, during the NFC Championship game with Carolina, this player had a key interception that led to a Seahawks touchdown. Oh, stop. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't get that. Marquand Manuel. That's right. Oh, my God. He also started Super Bowl forty with the Seahawks but left the game in the second quarter because of a hip injury. He played with a lot of other teams during his career, including the Bengals, the Seahawks, like I mentioned, obviously, the Packers, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Lions. He finished his career with 365 tackles, one for every day of the year. Also, a sack, four forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, two interceptions, and one defensive touchdown. He later returned to the Seahawks as an assistant coach from 2012 to 2014. It's Marquan Manuel. Uh, You got any uh, Marquan stories for us? He is one of the smartest, toughest, just Everything you can imagine that you want in a leader, you know, phenomenal, you know, pregame speeches, everything. Um, and because that was my rookie year that I, it was, well, we got maybe 12 games to play together. He came in probably week four or five and started for the rest of the season. And, uh, and you know, he helped lead us to that, to that Super Bowl. And a turning point in that game was they did a, a reverse and he ran through the sideline and just destroyed, I believe it was through the Heinz Ward or Randall L on a reverse. And, um, you know, cause they were setting up the, the reverse pass off of that. And he pulled his hamstring, like just popped it. And um, I got to say that was the turning point of the game um, that, you know, also the officials too. But um, what I remember just, you know, the big hits, man, um, he used to come from that, that, that middle hole safety, the deep third and, you know, just, it didn't matter who you were, man. Uh, I remember he had one in Arizona uh, against the fullback and just right on our sideline. And I, I thought I was going – it was like, yes, it's going to form up. It's, it's me and this fullback. And then as I go to lunge, you know, you know, run through, he took him right from out of my grasp. It was like <laughs> – yeah, it was uh, – I was like, man, I go, that was my hit. But the – the echo from that hit, I will never forget. It was like a shotgun blast just right in front of me. Marquand, fearless leader, um, you know, phenomenal. I will say this. He probably has, I know he would say two interceptions. I think I've seen Marquand drop about 10 in one season because he's the king of, of PBUs, pass breakups. If he, if he could catch, and you go back to the one uh, that he caught in uh, the NFC Championship, <laughs> He, like, cradled it and waited for it to come down to him. <laughs> well, we're always talking about wide receivers becoming DBs, but you don't hear a lot about DBs becoming wide receivers, do you? No, not at all. Uh, let's let the listeners do a round of Stop Me When You Know It, okay? Um, so I will read off some clues. I got to tell you, though, like I said last time, I'm being too nice to the listeners. So this time I'm holding a couple of clues back and making it a little harder on them. But there's still no Googling out there, everybody. So just come on. Let's be on the honor system i'm gonna read the clues you come up with the seahawk player off the top of your head and email it to seahawkspod at gmail.com along with any other questions or comments you might have and then uh lofa you i know you're gonna know this but you just you know 
Keep it to yourself. I, don't give it away, all right? Okay, I won't say anything. This player, though, is not from your playing time with the Seahawks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move beyond that for the listeners. Um, this player, this former Seahawk, was born in 1963. He played his college football at Colgate. He went undrafted in 1985 and spent 11 seasons with the Seahawks. He also played for the Packers, where he won a Super Bowl, and then later with the Falcons and the Panthers as well. He finished his career with 1,415 tackles, 57 interceptions, and seven and a half sacks. He was a three-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro, and a member of the Seahawks' 35th anniversary team. Can you name this player? Send your answers to SeahawksPod at gmail.com. What do you think, Lofa? you have any ideas there? I got a couple. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't give it away. Okay, I won't say it. Okay. Um, hey, on the next episode, I want to start looking towards the draft. How's that sound? Sounds amazing. Let's do this. All right. But for now, everybody, this has been the Seahawks Podcast on the Believe Sports Network. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Lofa, as always, for joining in. Um, it's been a lot of fun, man, and I'm looking forward to next time. I appreciate you, brother. All right, say it with me. Go hard. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.